0: Going to be continuing in this series from the book of Colossians, which I felt led by the Lord to bring to you. Going to be looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 12. And the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Christians who lived in this city in Colossae a long time ago, but his words are still abiding for us today. <clears throat> and here he says, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you've been given fullness in Christ, who is head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. So, Lord, we come to this part of your word. It's very old. It's been speaking to generation after generation after generation. Believers have laid their eyes on on these words from your word. And have longed for life to come from it. And I pray, that's what I pray for today, Lord. I pray that, that this would not simply be a teaching to increase our understanding in our minds, but it would be a place of meeting with you so that you could come and you could do something inside of us that would make us different when we leave here than when we came. I thank you for all these people, Lord, and the love that you have for us, but the love that you have given to Karen and me for them. And I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that your best blessing would be on each person as, as we look into this scripture today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen? All right. I'm working a little tired today, so you're going to have to cheer me on if you want something, okay? It's a, I don't know if you remember the... The book, Mike Mulligan and the Steam Shovel, anybody? Okay, well, you're gonna do your part if you wanna leave here having been happy you were here. (laughs) All right. In 1653, Isaac Walton published his first edition of the now famous book, The Complete Angler. Of course, you own it on your bookshelf, The Complete Angler, 1653. I have it on my phone. Uh, because it's uh, free now. You can download it, kindle all the classics for free, right? Uh, I find that really interesting that he wrote it in 1653, and I have it on my phone. And <laughs> which is really good when you're fishing, right? Uh, let's see. I find that kind of thing hilarious. Uh, actually, you might, I don't know if anybody else will find this funny, but I think the, it's the funniest thing I've ever thought of or done. Well, it was a couple of years ago, Karen and I went to a conference out in Boston, and uh, that was really close to where Thoreau went to Walden Pond and did his Simplify, Simplify, right? I love Thoreau. I read a lot of Thoreau. And, and his main theme, just to set this up, is Simplify, Simplify. Okay. And so I went to, Karen and I said, let's go out to Walden Pond. Let's drive out an hour and see what that is because they got a little place where his cabin was and all that stuff. And so I had Karen take a picture of me reading Thoreau from my Kindle, Next to Walden Pond. Does anybody enjoy the irony of that as <laughs> much simplify, simplify, and I have it on a very complex device? It's a lot funnier than I ever get a reaction for. Okay, that's a way homer. Some of you are going to be, oh, I get it, okay. Well, anyway, and this complete angler and the subsequent second and third editions that came out uh this guy covered everything you need to know about fishing from catching them to cooking them from using worms all the way to dry flies and covered it was really everything you needed to know about fishing in the 17th century and now in this passage i like to call this passage that i just read for you the complete christian because listen in there is everything you need to walk out your walk as a, as a follower of jesus the basis is all there if you, it, I, I know I just read over it and you're kind of different places with it, but if you'll embrace what I just those verses that I just read for you, if you'll take them in, and if you'll let them master you, some of us are still trying to master scripture, I'm not, I'm not, I don't do that anymore, I just keep asking scripture to master me, just take, take control of me, and if you'll let these verses master you, it'll be like the internal, the, 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 the guidance system on a stealth fighter, you know, is just be in there. And you'll you'll take steps, you'll take direction from it if you can internalize that. Does that sound okay? Because I think what Paul's doing here in this passage and talking about the portrait of a complete Christian is really helping us to understand what the basic realities of being a Christian are. And spending our walk with him and extending our walk with him. We make a lot of fuss around here. We talk a lot about how it's okay to be a sinner, don't we? And it's okay, because we are. I mean, hello, I haven't had my first perfect day yet, anybody? I'm pretty much, by reading scripture and observing my life and the lives of hundreds of others, I'm pretty sure none of us are ever going to have our first perfect day before we die, so we're going to die as sinners. Sinners saved by the grace of God through Jesus, but we're still sinners, right? And we make a lot of provision for that around here like it's okay you're a sinner we get that yeah welcome to the human race but let's not carry that too far let's not carry that to the place that we use it as permission not to care about our sin because we we got to care about that don't we i mean just because there's provision for it doesn't mean there's permission for it right and so we have to we have to not allow that grace of god To develop to the point that it's like, you know, that's who I am, I guess it's all I'm going to be, this is what you get, what you see is what you get, and not care about it anymore. And not to develop an attitude, well, yeah, I'm a sinner, I got all this stuff that's never going to change, this is as good as I'm ever going to be. Not to embrace that. Not to embrace the thing, well, at least I'm saved. No, at most you're saved, if that's your attitude, right? There's more. I mean, come on. Don't you want the more? Don't you want to walk away from that vomit? Come on, people. What I tell you you're going to have to do if we're going to make it through this today, right? Come on, people. There you go. Somebody testify. Give me a witness. Come on, people. Don't you want more? You want more. We want more. We want the more of it. I don't want to just settle into this. Oh, I guess this is good. It's going to be I'm just going to buckle up till Jesus comes back. I want the more. And in this passage, Paul talks about five essential qualities of the person who's standing up and walking it out in the power of Christ. I'm going to build this portrait for you, okay? We'll start with the feet. Paul says it begins by knowing Jesus Christ as savior and lord. In verse 6, he says, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Now, he's already making the assumption that they know him as Savior. But just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, you know that the foundation of your Christian life is to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. It's both. It's both. Jesus is our Savior. He died on the cross, shed his blood on the cross as a payment for our sin." And as we trust in him for our salvation, our sins are covered. Praise God. That's Savior. But Jesus said, I'm also your Lord. He says, follow me. Follow me. He said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me in the gospel will find it. Savior and Lord. So it's not just about Jesus providing a payment for our sin, which I'm very grateful for. But the good news is, he knows the way out of it. He knows the way out. And so he's saying, come on, follow me, I know the way out. I mean, what kind of a rescuer would drop in behind enemy lines to come and find you and go, well, I'm here, but I don't know what to do next. I don't quite know what the next step is, but I'm here for you. He did not come to accompany us in our captivity. He came to lead us out. To lead us out. And how does that happen? Savior and Lord. Lord. Is Jesus Lord of your life? This is the foundation for the complete Christian. Savior and Lord. We need both of them. Well, let's put some legs on this guy. Okay? It's fun, isn't it? He said if you want to... Go from there, we need to continue to live in him. So then just, the Bible says, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. The continuation of seeking God in the context of a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, going after him, these are the legs. These are the legs of our faith. Continuing to live in him. Because it's not just about being born again, is it? I mean, is it, don't you find it interesting, the thought, that's the phrase, that, the terms that Jesus used. He said, if you want to get to heaven, you've got to be born again. Well, born again means you're new. It, it's not an end, it's a beginning, right? Being born is a beginning. Thank God, you see the way those kids come out, they're all, I mean, what? <laughs> they stay like that, there's a problem, right? You're born again, and that's a beginning, he says, continue to live in him, continue, continue, continue to live in him. Jesus said in John 15, verse 5, he said, I'm the vine, you are the what? Do you know this? The branches. The branches. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He said, if anybody abides in me, if anybody remains in me, if anybody continues in me, he'll bear much fruit. But he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Have you noticed that? Apart from him, on your own strength, you can do nothing. But when you connect and you continue to stay connected, when you tend to the connection, when you give your life to the development of a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, then you're continuing in Him. You start to get some legs. And this is what it means to be a Christian. It's Not just getting the card, get out of hell free card. It's about continuing in Him. It's about walking it. Suppose you just got a new job. Suppose it was your dream job. It was the thing that you thought, when I grow up, that's what I'm going to be. And you grew up. And then you went to school to learn how to do it. And then you put out a thousand applications. Somebody called you. Called you for an interview. You nailed the interview. They called you back for another interview. You nailed that interview. And then they called you and said, you got the job. Congratulations, you got the job. We want you to start Monday morning. All right, great, I got the job. Monday morning, the alarm clock goes off at 6 o'clock. Oh, man. 6.30, 7 o'clock. About 9.30, your cell phone rings. Hey, man, where are you at? Right, where are you? What do you mean? Well, you got a job. How come you're not here? You're supposed to be here at eight. You say, well, I didn't want to work. I just wanted to get the job. <laughs> no, you don't understand. you got to come in. No, I don't want to do that. I just, I just wanted to get the job. I got the job, Right? Right? You had the job, but you don't have that job anymore. You know, you come to Christ, you say, I'm in. I got stuff to do. Don't bother me at six. I got stuff to do, but thanks for letting me in. Thanks for giving me the job. Doesn't make sense, does it? Continue in him, Paul says, continue in him. Next, he says, you "Need to be rooted and built up in Him. This is your core. Oh yeah, that's where your strength comes from. That's what takes the punch, baby. That's where your heart is." Bible says, "Guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life." This is the, this is the center of your walk with Jesus. I mean, there's stuff in your head with Jesus, right? You learn the Bible, you learn stuff, you consider things. The Bible even says in Isaiah, it says, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. <laughs> white as snow. <laughs> right? So there's reasoning. There's thinking, of course. The Bible says that we should study to show ourselves workmen approved, and unashamed. Study. Good. But that's not the substance of our walk with Jesus. It's from our heart, isn't it? It's this other thing. This dynamic of God stirring inside of us that sometimes even defies logic. Hello? That's your heart. You find it interesting that the first piece of armor that Ephesians 6 tells us to put on is the breastplate of righteousness. To cover up your heart. Cover up your heart. you got to be diligent with this because the devil's clever, isn't he? You get stuff stored away in your heart, the good stuff in your heart. You have some walk with God going on and then when you're not paying attention... The devil comes, he starts to steal that stuff away, doesn't he? You've got to guard your heart. you got to guard your heart. Guard your heart, he says. And then he says, you want to put some else on this man? He said, strengthened in the faith you were taught. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. That's what it says next. So then, just so you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Strengthened. See these guns? Who laughed over this? Oh. Should have known. <laughs> Control that woman. All right. You know, there's a strength to this. There's something you do with your arms. This is like what you do, right? There's a strength to this walking this out. And it says strengthened in the faith. Not like that, and that's a different use of the phrase. Often the Bible says if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, stuff like that, that's the release of your faith, the substance of your faith. But in this case, it uses the faith as a term for the walk with God, strengthened in the faith, strengthened in your walk with God. And there should be some strengthening aspects. You should be gaining mastery over habitual sin, people. You should be being let out of it. You should be seeing improvement. None of us are perfect, but you should be getting stronger. You should be seeing an increase of in the emergence of the fruit of the Spirit. More love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You should be seeing an increase in that. You should be seeing an increase in the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, of God working through you supernaturally and powerfully, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in big ways, but you just know, I think God just did something through me. You should be seeing these things. You should be seeing an increase of the passion of your worship. Whether you're an exuberant worshiper or a quiet worshiper, the the exuberance of your heart in worship should be increasing. These are the strength of your arms. This is the walking of faith. You should be seeing an increase in the depth of your relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you're still trying to do this in isolation or with a very casual connection with others, you're doing it wrong. Because God means for us to come together and develop these dynamic, personal relationships of strength and accountability, blessing. You should be increasing in your effectiveness as a witness, as a light in the dark world. Not as a religious person. Go, if you've got to be religious, find yourself another church, would you? We don't need any religious people here. Religion aren't us. Okay. But I'm talking about the dynamic effectiveness that somebody goes, there's something different about that couple or that guy or that gal. There's something different. Peter says that we should always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within us. Well, that implies something, doesn't it? It implies that people are going to be asking us, what's up with you? Right? How come you're different? They need to see that. These these are the arms of your faith, these things. And one more thing this passage says makes the complete Christian, and that's that you're overflowing with thankfulness. Okay? And you're just overflowing with thankfulness. Well, I was making this, I thought, you know, if I'm going to use my arms, I've got to use his head, right? I mean, you know, it's just fair. just fair. I've got to use Tony's head. Tony's a good model of someone who overflows with thankfulness. He really is. He's a good model for you, for us, as one who overflows with thankfulness. And um, this is something that should be spilling out of us. Thankfulness. Gratitude to God. Now this assumes something, doesn't it? If you're going to be thankful for something, you're going to be overflowing with thankfulness, it means that you've had some experience with God. Something for which to be thankful. Remember the careful distinction between praise and thanksgiving. Praise God is extolling him for who he is. You don't have to have any experience with God to praise him just because he is. But you need experience with God in order to be thankful You say, these things God has done in my life, these things I have seen him do, we will commend his works one generation to another. And these are the things we're thankful for. And this needs to flow from us. And this is a portrait of a complete Christian right there. There you go. That's the complete Christian. And from there, you can add all the stuff you're thinking about. It fits under this umbrella, this description somewhere. If you can embrace these realities, internalize these realities, let these realities mark you, you will naturally walk as a supernatural believer. And then Paul, but he shifts gears in this passage. A couple more things here before we go home. Listen, after completing this portrait of the complete Christian, Paul shifts gears and he says, but be careful. Look at the next verses. But be careful, he says. Watch out because something's coming to get you. If you try to stand in this way, something is coming to get you. What is it? he says, is this. He says, be careful, because religion is right ahead. Well, what do you mean by that? It means like as soon as you get strong in the Lord, as soon as you get the dynamic of the walk with Jesus going on, there will be somebody around to tell you you're doing it wrong, and you need to be doing it this way. That's empty religion. That's what we mean. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Right? The next verse. Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive. Wow. Wow. You're going to take who's going to take that guy well that last guy captive? Who's going to take that guy captive? I mean, he's strong. Well, so see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. You see, you get it going on with Jesus, and you know it's real. But then there's this, there's this temptation in us to settle for somebody's version of it, somebody's religious expression of it. Say, yeah, just keep doing it, this, this, this. No, you need to be doing that. you need this Bible, that Bible. You need it three times a week. stand, sit. Listen, that's not real. That's dependent on empty philosophy. It's dependent on human tradition, not on Christ. You can't have both. You can't have both. That's why whenever we do something repetitively here, such as communion, I'm, so, I'm just before the Lord on my face saying, Lord, we're doing it again. It's got to be real, or we're never going to do it again. When something stops being real and dynamic, we're not doing that anymore. As long as it continues to bring life, we do it. And that's the difference between the expression of a walk with, with God, where Jesus is head of the church, and a religion. Now the problem is, I've observed that a lot of people prefer religion over relationship. A lot of people seem to prefer a religion about Jesus Christ over relationship with Jesus Christ. The reason is because it's easier. It's a lot easier to be religious than it is to be living in dynamic relationship with Jesus, right? I mean, it'd be a lot easier if I'd get myself some special clothes, a special little hat and stuff, you know, and was able to say all these things to you and say, okay, now, stand, sit, go. That'd be a lot easier than come in here and say, hey, Jesus wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to mess you up. He wants to get into every aspect of your life. He wants to get into your life. He wants to get into your thought life. Be a lot easier to be religious all of a sudden, wouldn't it? Paul says over and over again in this thing, he said, if you accept religion over relationship, you are effectively usurping the Lordship of Jesus in your life you're letting something or someone else be Lord. That, ain't, that doesn't sound good, does it? He says, so watch out for that. He uses very strong terms here. He says, see to it that nobody... He says, the King James Version says, beware. The Greek is blepo, which means discern with your eyes. Look, look at it. When somebody's coming up to you and saying, oh, yeah, but we do it this way. Discern with your eyes whether that's life or whether that's religion, Right? okay people don't have to do stuff like we do it i'm not saying that i'm just saying discern with your eyes what's life and what's empty religion okay say yeah i'll start again okay i got one more thing then we're gonna just all go home okay there's one more thing paul says that you just can't walk away from this verse without taking note of or this passage He says, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity, which is God. God, That's another word for God. For in Christ, in Jesus, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. So Jesus is God is what that means. Jesus is God. And then look what he says next. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is head over every power and authority. Dick, did, did he really say that, Dick? He said... Wait I mean, is that, did I, did I, am I doing something wrong here that he says, so Jesus is God, you, in, in fullness of God in Christ, and you've been given fullness in Christ means you've been given the fullness of God. So that means we brothers, as brothers, we have at our disposal the very fullness of God, the power of God to walk our walk, to live our life, to push the enemy back, and to conquer the things that he's bringing into our lives. Is is that what that means, right? I mean, that's what it says. So why are we living with our heads down? I mean, why are we backrooming this? Father, I just pray that you'll come now into this place and do what you want to do. I didn't know what you wanted to do when I woke up this morning. I still don't know what you want to do now, but I don't need to know what's on your mind to just give the church to you, Lord. So right now in this place, I just give you the church. And I just ask you to do what you want to do without my direction.